Greetings Northlings and welcome to Haunted Up North, the hair-raisingly rad, rad, (laughs) podcast dedicated to the telling of real-life paranormal experiences from the north of the UK. I don't know why I chose to put the word rad in there. Rad. I, I used to work with a creative manager who would always try and force the word rad, rad, into every piece of copy I wrote for them, so it's strange that I've forced it in there into my introduction. Anyway, I'm not actually Austin Powers, I'm your host, Victoria, and this is Haunted Up North, so my compliments to you for tuning in, Northling listeners and listeners from everywhere. I do very much hope you find yourselves scintillated, scared, and most importantly, entertained by the spectral tales I'm about to tell you today. Speaking of tunes, yeah, because I said tuning in, (laughs) I had to think about what it was I really meant there. Speaking of tunes, um, I just had a real life, not paranormal experience, but abnormal experience, though it was still very funny and kind of awesome, with a with a food delivery person who pulled up outside my house not too long ago playing green sleeves on a loop really, really loud from the cab of their truck. I presume you could hear it all up and down the street. I could hear it from the window of the room I was sitting in, and I didn't see them, unfortunately. I just heard the green sleeves, but I'm assured they weren't wearing Tudor-style court dress by the person that did see them, which is a shame, but... Like, (laughs) who listens to instrumental green sleeves on a constant loop while they're driving around Haworth? Somebody obviously does. And if you're listening, green sleeves driver, thanks for entertaining me with your courtier-style melodies and for giving me a handy intro to my drumroll, please. I can't do a drumroll on this table because it'll interfere with the mic, okay? Drumroll, please. Imagine it. My second ever episode of Haunted Up North. I have included some videos and fetes, that's how the Queen says photos, in relation to the last Hun episode about Haworth's haunted pubs on Instagram and Twitter, namely the bogs and the fleece. (laughs) That's British. That's Northern British, I guess, for toilet. I don't know if the word, I don't know if bogs is a universal British term, but it's definitely said up here in Yorkshire. The bogs and the fleece the Fleece Inn in Haworth, where the ghost of a tortured lady apparently resides. I also put a fete of Branwell Bronte's haunted chair on there. That rhymes. The guy who was manning the bar in the Black Bull where Branwell Bronte's haunted chair lives was really accommodating, turning the lights on for me to make sure I got a good shot, but it's quite a dark staircase where they display it, even with light bulbs illuminating it. The window it sits beside is gorgeous stained glass, so it, but it's beautiful, but it doesn't get much sunlight, unfortunately. But it's an alright picture. You can tell it's a chair. No ghosts or orbs appeared in the footage, unfortunately, but maybe you should go in yourself and have a good old look at it. There's a picture of Lily Cove, the Lady Aeronaut, that will only really make sense to anyone who's listened to the last Haunted Up North episode. So have a listen if you'd like to know what I'm on about, and if you do know what I'm on about, have a look on our social media pages to see the face of lovely Lily Cove. I actually tried to get in room number seven of the old White Lion Hotel in Haworth that Lily haunts, but they didn't reply to my email. They hate me. Uh, I should have gone in and asked, really, but I'm a bit shy. I'm sure they don't hate me. 
they're very nice, and it probably just went to junk. I find pubs don't often reply to emails in general, so whether they hate me or they don't, it doesn't make the place any less haunted or any less groovy. If anyone else wants to try contacting them, be my guest. Be their guest, in fact, and stay at the haunted old White Lion Hotel in Haworth. Also, if you'd like to hear a little bit more about the groovy ghosts of Haworth, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash hauntedupnorth, where you'll find a Bronte bonus story collection of further terrifying tales to get your ears stuck right into. It's like a Brucey bonus, but a Bronte bonus. Anyone who's not from Britain, unfamiliar with British TV celebrities of the past, or from Britain and of a certain younger age, Google it if you like or don't. British people are weird. I'm allowed to say that because I am one. Anyway, enough of this rambling. It's silly. Because today is the day that we travel to North Wales and talk about some haunted castles. Hopefully I don't sound too much like William Shatner today. My friend <laughs> who, uh, he's, a, he's a podcaster, he's got a, a gaming podcast, he's called Retro retro 48k he's a very old friend but he listened to the first episode of haunted up north a couple of weeks ago i'm not sure if it was the the tiny episode or which is which is which is episode number not <laughs> number zero uh i don't know if it was that one or the larger one that he listened to but he sent me a message saying your voice sounds weird in that podcast you kind of have a captain kirk thing going on so i sent him a message saying like how And he said, for the first minute or so, you do the William Shatner dramatic pauses. (laughs) I don't understand. I'm I'm not sure where that comes from. I apologise. It's probably just my style, man, you know. So if you like Captain Kirk, then this is the podcast for you. If you don't, um, I do apologise. I don't know I'm doing it. I'll, I'll try and be more aware of it anyway. I will. I'm always accepting of constructive feedback. However... Let's get back to Wales. Wales is home to over 600 castles, which seems like an unbelievable amount of castles, but apparently it is. It's home to over 600 castles. I don't think they're all still standing. Some may be castle sites rather than full-on castle buildings, but it doesn't make them any less a castle. And still, that's, that's a lot of castles to have built. My friend recommended the haunted Welsh castle theme to me when she found an article about a haunted castle called Conwy Castle in North Wales. She's actually going to be on the show at some point soon, which I'm sure will be a big treat for us all, including me, as she's very funny, very witty, and most definitely into good ghosts. But until that day, thank you very much, my friend, I'll reveal her name later, for suggesting what turned out to be a hugely fascinating body of ripping research. Conway Castle is a medieval fortress. I wish I was a medieval fortress. Uh, It's a medieval fortress in Conway. Conway, previously known as Conway in English, is a walled market town in Conway County Borough on the north coast of Wales, and both the castle and its walls were built between 1283 and 1289 on the instructions of Welsh suppressive Edward I of England, otherwise known as Edward Longshanks, who was King of England from 1272 to 1307. Whenever someone says Longshanks to me, Edward Longshanks, I think of a man wearing really high knee-length socks. (laughs) That's how I presume Edward Longshanks looked. 
when he was alive. Always wearing his signature long knee-length socks. Red and white, obviously. He's the grey, beardy guy that Patrick McGowan plays in Mel Gibson's Braveheart, if you'd like some context of who he was from a popular culture kind of stance. He's the oldest English guy with a grey beard in the film. The king. (laughs) The king, in fact. I could have just said the guy who plays the English king in Braveheart. Really good actor. Very nasty character. So yeah, the castle's 700 years old. That's mega. Seven centuries old. Lovely little bit of local insight. People born in Conway are apparently colloquially referred to as jackdaws after the jackdaws that live on and along the castle walls. That's nice. That's what the internet says anyway. Anyone who is from Conway and enjoys being called a jackdaw, let me know. The castle itself has been involved in quite a few important wars, but was left to ruin in 1665 when its iron and lead was stripped off and sold in a bid to weaken its desirability as a royalist stronghold after the English Civil War ended. In the late 18th and early 19th centuries, Conway Castle became an inspirational location for painters to (laughs) paint, which drew an increasing amount of visitors until eventually it became a successful tourist attraction, which it still is today. It's a really cool castle, by the way. It looks right over the river with lots of nice trees and hills around it. Very picturesque with its big stone towers and iconically castle-y battlements. A remarkably splendid structure, no less. No wonder it was um, such an appealing hotspot for painters. I can very much see why people would want to paint it. So not only is it now a much-frequented tourist attraction, it's also a much-frequented attraction for paranormal investigators. You guessed it, it's got some ghosts inside it, and it's one of the most haunted of haunted Welsh castles, or so the stories go. Some visitors have been so frightened upon entering the grounds of Conway Castle that they dash, panic-stricken, for the exit, with one such patron claiming to have seen a large man in armour illuminated by candlelight. That's very insidious. I do. I talk about insidious quite a lot. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of my favourite films. It's got slappy foot runs, as you'll know from listening to the last episode, and a, an old lady illuminated by candlelight. Anyway, stop it. Get on with the story. Others have smelt incense in the chapel, with no evidence of any having been lit. The spirits of prisoners locked in cells during the reign of Henry VIII are rumoured to still linger there, and dogs have also refused to go into certain parts of the castle. The dark silhouette of a figure has been spotted watching over the town from the castle ramparts, and visitors have witnessed the apparitions of two monks who are thought to have belonged to a monastery that once sat beside the castle grounds, wearing their hooded ropes and levitating above ground without moving. In 2016, a paranormal investigative group called Dark Arts TV claimed to have captured, whilst filming inside the castle, the voice of a young girl whispering the words, Don't tell them. Another spooky sighting was captured in 2020 by a lady named Denise Tillier. After taking what was intended as a simple idyllic shot of the grounds just outside the castle walls, she found, to her astonishment, upon later inspecting the photograph, what she thought to be an apparition of a soldier holding a sword in his arms. When she asked a friend for a second opinion, she was even more surprised when they claimed to see a line of figures walking behind the soldier two feet apart from each other. 
Some even say they can see the figure of a small child standing beside him in this seemingly military-style procession. Dark Arts TV, the same people who captured the ghost girl voice, Carl Hassel, don't hassle me, Carl Hassel, and Sam Singleton recorded something very similar when they visited Swallow Falls in Betwissacoed. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. It's spelled B-E-T-W-S-Y-C-O-E-D. I I did look online to pronounce that properly, so hopefully I've done it some justice. Apologies if you're from there, and I've done it wrong. I'm sorry. Please let me know. So Betwissacoed is a village in the Conway Valley, also in Conway County Borough, North Wales, and it's widely considered to be the gateway to Snowdonia. But the footage Dark Arts TV captured at Swallow Falls, which contains the figure of what appears to be a man walking along a footpath, is thought to be of the spirit of Sir John Wynne of Gwydir, whose family built the nearby 15th century Gwydir Castle. I'll add this video, along with the video of the ghost girl speaking, to our Haunted Up North channel's very scary VT playlist on YouTube, so you can have a look for yourselves and tell us what you think of it. But Gwydir Castle and the history of the family who built it is another interesting epicentre of paranormal interest that I think you'll be interested in hearing about. Gwydir Castle is more of an ancient house than a traditional looking castle type thing. It's actually a fortified manor house that dates back to somewhere around the 1500s. It's located on the edge of the floodplain of the River Conway and is overlooked by Gwydir Forest in Snowdonia National Park. It's a mile to the west of the market town Clanrist and a mile and a half south of the village of Trevru. And it's also, in its most recent incarnation, a boutique bed and breakfast, which I'd very much like to stay myself. It's regarded as one of the finest Tudor houses in Wales and was formerly, as mentioned, the ancestral... Sorry, my door just opened on its own then. Ugh, annoying. Disturbing my recording. Stay closed, door. I don't think it was a ghost. Yeah, sorry. So it was the ancestral home and seat of the powerful Wynne family. It's been visited by kings and queens during its long lifetime, and it's it's got a staircase, you know. It's a rather unique staircase that was taken from the nearby Abbey of Minen. I don't know how you'd take a staircase from somewhere and put it in another building, but apparently it can be done. It might be in one of the turrets or something like that, which makes it seem more possible in my head. I think the house in its entirety has been altered and added to over the centuries, but it's gorgeous. Like I said, I want to stay there, but perhaps I won't after I've finished reading about how haunted it is. The Winds, who were descendants of the kings of... Oh, how do you pronounce that? Very quick, pronounce names.com. Search. <laughs> it's Gwyneth. The Wynnes were descendants of the Kings of Gwynedd, and they were one of the most significant families of North Wales during the Tudor and Stuart periods. In the 16th and 17th centuries, the Gwydir estate dominated North Wales, and it is said that it's the apparition of Sir John Wynne that's seen most about the place. Ghosts at Gwydir Castle have been recorded since the 19th century and visitors to the castle continue to experience a range of paranormal phenomena there to this day. The most significant of these manifestations is the apparition of a young woman who haunts the North Wing and the panelled corridor between the Hall of Meredith and the Great Chamber. (laughs) As if that doesn't sound full on Lord of the Rings. 
In the 19th century, the room behind the panelling was called the ghost room because a white or grey woman was frequently seen inside the room and the passageway adjoining it, along with the nauseating smell of decomposing flesh. Ugh. Though the apparition has not currently been seen for quite some time, its presence is still felt in the form of shoulder taps by unseen hands. Sudden, extreme drops in temperature, and the rotten smell still lingers in various parts of the passageway. Though it is unclear as to who this entity might be, legend has it that Sir John Wynne, who lived from 1553 to 1627, in his youth seduced a serving maid, and when the relationship became the article I've sourced this information from has the word complicated in inverted commas, which I presume means he, uh, Sir John, got this poor girl pregnant. He murdered her and had her walled up in one of the chimney breasts. It is said the smell of her putrefying corpse lingered for months as a reminder of his vicious misdeed. A hollowed out space that you can actually go and look at if you stay in Goodyear Castle, which is perhaps presumed to be a priest hole, but still big enough for a body, was actually found some decades ago, inside the large chimney breast which backs out into the ghost room, and it's here the scent is said to be at its strongest. Sir John, apparently on his deathbed, made a last breath confession to a murder he'd committed inside Guadir when he was a young man, and chances are, due to his well-known reputation as a local tyrant, he remains a likely candidate for it. Though he has been sighted in the castle on many occasions, on the spiral staircase leading from the solar hall to the great chamber, some say that his spirit remains trapped beneath the waterfall at Swallow Falls, forever to be purged, purified, and spat upon by the waters for all the evil deeds committed by him in the days of his nature. So perhaps it is his ghost that Dark Arts captured walking along that footpath. Along with Sir John, other supernatural occurrences have taken place at Gwydir, such as the eerie sound of children crying, a procession has been seen on the Great Terrace late at night, and a ghost dog has been spotted walking about the place, with dog bones even being unearthed from inside the cellar during a dig in 1995. It's got peacocks too, apparently. A bit like my dad. My dad currently owns about eight peacocks or something where he lives in southwest Scotland, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. It's a, it's a topic. It's definitely a topic. The current owners of Gwydir are a couple named Peter Welford and Judy Corbett who bought the castle in 1994, and I recently read an article by someone called Laurel Callenbach, I think that's how you pronounce her name, who said that Judy Corbett herself told her she was once haunted by the spirit of a malevolent woman who followed Judy everywhere after she first moved in, triggering a series of accidents which she thinks were intended to harm her husband Peter. Fascinating. And you know what? The ghosts of Conway don't just finish there. There are more. More Welsh ghosts. More Welsh ghosts. Who listens to instrumental greensleeves on a constant loop while they're driving around Howarth? The spectral inhabitants of Conwy haunt pubs, tiny buildings, and manor houses, as well as castles and forty-five stately, <laughs> forty fortified stately homes. Not forty-five stately homes. And there's even another Wynne family legend involved as we venture further afield from Conway Castle and Gwydir. Which, if you like good ghosts as much as I think you like good ghosts, you'll be delighted to listen to right now. But wait, what's even more interesting about Conway 
regardless of the ghosts, is that it has the smallest house in Britain. Who knew? Obviously, some people know this, but I, I didn't know this. Conwy's smallest house in Britain measures 72 inches across and 122 inches um, up high. <laughs> Uh, that's about six feet by ten feet, and it sits along Conwy Quayside, squished onto the very end of a row of terraced houses. It's called Key House, I think, uh, for anyone wanting to perhaps plan a visit to see it. And it was built sometime in the 16th century and lived in continually until 1900 when it was deemed unfit for human habitation. It's only got two rooms, with no bathroom, so no toilet and no kitchen. The upstairs room is reached by a ladder, and in the downstairs room there's just a coal fire and a bench. Sounds really cosy though, doesn't it? Despite the lack of a lavatory. The last occupant of Key House was a fisherman named Robert Jones, who stood 6 foot 3 inches tall and was unable to ever stand upright in any of the rooms. Aww. It's now, understandably, a tourist attraction, and although nobody currently lives in it, the house's current owner has reported the presence of strange smells and sightings inside it. Once, one of the guides working there opened it up one summer morning to be greeted by the strong scent of fish and salt water. Oddly, the next visitor to arrive that morning was a medium, who immediately felt compelled to leave the house, stating that someone else was in there with her. The smell remained all that day and was noticed again at various times during the summer as well as subsequent warm seasons. We've, we've come back to ghosts now, we've done a full circle. And here are some more. In the centre of Conway, there stands an Elizabethan manor house called Jesus. It's not called Jesus, I just don't know how to pronounce it. Wait a minute. Plasmower. <laughs> the centre of Conway has an Elizabethan manor house called Plasmower that was once the home of Robert Wynne and his family, who were wealthy merchants and relatives of the Wynnes at Gwydia Castle. Legend has it that Robert's pregnant wife Dorothy and young son would await his return each evening by climbing to the house's uppermost tower to see if they could spot him coming home from up high. One evening, Dorothy lost her footing on the stairwell, which caused both son and mother to fall and injure themselves quite badly. They summoned the family doctor, but instead a young trainee was sent in his stead who was vastly unqualified to deal with the serious nature of their wounds. Upon realising this, he attempted to leave, but the household locked him in with Dorothy, her unborn child and infant son. Inevitably, the winds tragically died, and the doctor, in fear for his own life when Robert returned, fled into the chimney to hide from his wrath. The master of the house was grief-stricken, and though he searched the house high and low for sign of the trainee doctor, it's thought he became lost and perished in Plasmore's complex network of chimneys. Visitors to the house have reported such phenomena as banging noises from above, misty faces at windows, and a strong smell of tobacco. Some have also said they've been greeted upon entering the Great Hall with a spectral disembodied hello. Here's a story I found about a pub called the Liverpool Arms. The Liverpool Arms backs onto Conway Castle's medieval walls, and it's right along the quayside, almost next to Britain's smallest house. The Liverpool Arms is reported to be haunted by the ghost of a sinister monk who predicts death and misfortune, a former landlord and his son, and also a female cook. Sightings of the monk are said to warn of a death or some looming bad luck, 
and they're often accompanied by the strong smell of vanilla, which is thought to be linked to medieval cargoes carried by ship to the town. The smell of roast beef, raced beef, is also a regular side effect of ghostly manifestations, and are noticed when the spirit of an old cook is present, and the apparition of a man who died in the estuary has also been regularly noticed. Staff have been accosted by the sight of a monk kneeling and praying in one of the guest rooms. They've been beckoned to and lunged at by a six-foot-tall ghost standing in the back of the bar, accompanied by the figure of a small boy. Objects have mysteriously disappeared, and guests staying in the attic have also complained of their beds shaking uncontrollably in the night. I'm so scared right now. Honestly though, I'd, I'd love to shut myself inside that smallest house for a day and just sleep there by the fire. If it wasn't potentially haunted, I mean. It just sounds mega cosy, doesn't it? Although I don't know how well I'd fare without a toilet or a kitchen. Or running water in general. I'm not really one for roughing it, to be honest. I can't even bring myself to stay in a tent at a heavily facilitated campsite these days. Or or in, or or during days past, to be honest. I've camped quite often throughout my youth, and every single time I've woken up in the night screaming, clawing at the sides of the tent like a rabid animal. Even if I do tell myself before I go to sleep, you know, if you wake up, remember you're in a tent, you're not dead. Which, I don't know if that's what I'm really thinking when I wake up shouting. I just, I just, I think it's because it's pitch black, you can't hear or see anything, and you're enclosed by something all around you. I, I might be a bit claustrophobic or something, but yeah, every time I go camping, I wake up screaming. So who knows what would happen if I woke up in a tiny haunted house in Conway. And not just the tiny haunted house, the, the smallest house in the country, in the United Kingdom. I've just, I've just remembered something from when, I, from when I camped with a few friends just after I finished university. We picked a really horrible day to do it. I think we're in the Lake District or something like that, but it was bucketing it down. So we basically just sat and played cards in the tent all night. But I inevitably woke up in a state of panic at some point during the early hours and I, I scrambled over to the tent door to bring myself out of whatever weird thing it is that I get myself into but once I'd calmed down I forgot to zip the door closed and in the morning the entire tent was flooded because of my my theatrics I guess well no it wasn't theatrics it's uncontrollable theatrics if anything but but you know things people's hair gel was floating in a sea of mini late district tent lake <laughs> and it was all my fault and I never admitted it was me to this day and I, I'm not one for lying I usually always own up to stuff but that day I just thought what does it matter it's done now but one of my friends bless him had woken up to ask if I was all right during said midnight episode and he knew it was me who'd flooded the tent and he never said a word and to this day I've always considered that little bit of young adult loyalty to be a perfect example of true comradeship Especially seeing as all his stuff got ruined by water too, so thank you. Funny story about this friend, this particular friend, he's a really good pumpkin carver. <laughs> like a virtuoso pumpkin carving artist. You wouldn't believe the stuff he creates, I don't know how he does it. He mainly carves faces out of the sides of pumpkins, usually famous faces from horror films and that. But he's pretty successful, and you'll see why when I tell you how to find him on the internet. His Instagram handle is Totally Pumpkins, and I believe he's on Facebook too, if you type in Totally Pumpkins into the search bar. He's done some amazing faces like 
Daniel Craig, Henry Cavill from The Witcher, lots of politicians, pirates, animals, Harry Potter, Jack Nicholson from The Shining. And the list goes on, but have a look, they're really, really cool. He once also grew a giant pumpkin one autumn that we had to remove from his back garden greenhouse via the use of a small crane. It was massive. I'll try and find the pictures somewhere and post them on our social media pages. I think he was I think he was entering it into a competition or something, but it was it was a great day. <laughs> Certainly extremely anecdote worthy. But yeah, good ghosts those Conway Valley. Thanks very much indeed. I've really enjoyed that, and I've learnt loads of things, little things, about North Wales that I didn't know before. I'd really love to visit the Conway area now. I'd never really heard of it before, and now I have, and I think it's awesome. Delighted to have found out so much about such an awe-inspiring and obviously spook-riddled place. I'll put pictures of everything I've talked about here today on the internet. I keep calling it the internet. I don't know what the, a better term for calling the I don't know the whatever uh all the ghostly shots including a picture of the smallest house in Britain because it's well cute like I said the videos you'll find in our haunted up north youtube channel under the playlist very scary vt so enjoy just enjoy yourself go for it look at those photos and videos and be scared by them I haven't got anything left now it's over you've had it there's nothing left nothing left to say Apart from, thanks for listening, everyone, and for letting us inject a bit of Northern Soul into your day. I hope you found these ghosts to be good ones, and that you were suitably entertained by them. Long live the North and all who haunt her, and may her power forever compel you to never presume there are no bodies in your chimneys, because there might be. See you later. Bye! British people are weird.